pornography and masturbation used to be thought of as a boy's problem, like a male problem. That is no longer the case. And with the pornography addiction, and it is an, it almost always becomes an addiction, inevitably comes addiction to masturbation, to understand what they're really going through. Mm. But I can't figure out what they're going through if they don't trust me. And to do that, you have to be vulnerable yourself and you have to be willing to share pieces of yourself that show that you're a real person. And Mm. unfortunately, in the church, we haven't been willing to do that. Welcome back to Advent Next. Today, our guest is Erica Jones, the Assistant Director of Women's Ministries for the North American Division. She's the coordinator for the End It Now campaign and oversees Gorgeous to God, a blog dedicated to mentoring young women by providing confidential Q&A and practical advice to help the next generation navigate their faith. Today, we're tackling some difficult topics regarding how to enhance a relationship with young women, as well as the responsibility of us as individuals and the church to address common themes in young lives, such as porn addiction, premarital sex, and abuse. Uh, welcome to Advent Next. We're so glad to have you. Today, our guest is uh, Erica Jones. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. So I am really excited to talk about some of the topics today. Uh, you are the Assistant Director for Women's Ministries at the North American Division. Is that correct? That is correct. And uh, you have some passions about women's development, mentorship. Uh, you, you oversee the End It Now abuse campaign. And mm-hmm. so we'll talk a little bit about that throughout the episode. But first, I just want to give you a chance to introduce yourself. So I was born and raised in Maryland, so I didn't go far working at North American Division. I'm very blessed to um, still be in Maryland where my family is and um, many friends. I've been working for NAD since 2014, um, but I actually came into the North American Division as just an assistant um, in the women's ministries department Mm -hmm. and uh, was doing that for about two years um, and started to discover that as a young woman myself, I felt that there was this gap that we were missing. Hmm. So, you know, if you're familiar with the Seventh-day Adventist Church, you know that as a kid, you know, maybe you did adventurers and then pathfinders and um, maybe you even did master guide. You kind of worked your way up. Maybe if you were blessed enough um, to have a great youth group to be a part of, you were part of that. But then there's there's kind of this drop off. Um, and I felt like what Women's Ministries was doing was good, but it was only serving a certain generation gotcha, or a couple of generations. Mm. Of course, it was the older, older, the older women. Mm. Yeah. Um, and as somebody who's, I mean, now in my early thirties, I just felt like if we don't reach back mm. and we don't do something about um, teenage girls specifically, if we don't really try to impact them in a way that matters in their everyday life. Yeah. Um, we're going we're, we're going to lose them. And not only that, but what is the church going to look like years from now? Right. If they don't think the church makes a difference in their everyday life. Yeah, it, it's so true. I mean, I I think we talked about this uh, earlier when we were kind of passing through, but some of the experiences that we've been uh, people have shared with us, you know, is that the church is no longer relevant and they're really hitting a couple walls mm-hmm. when it comes to their interaction with this community. Can you, you know, you did a little shoot today um, in the other room and <laughs> you're talking about women's mentorship. How did you get, you know, why did this become a passion for you? And right now you're overseeing Gorgeous to God. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about this, this program and what your hopes and, and goals for this is. 
So what I found, I've been traveling and speaking to teenage girls for a little over two years now. And there's nothing better than being with them in person and having that connection to understand what they're really going through. Mm. But I can't figure out what they're going through if they don't trust me. Right. Trust is imperative. Um, I have to build that very quickly because I'm only usually there for a weekend, sometimes only a day. Yeah. And to do that, you have to be vulnerable yourself and you have to be willing to share pieces of yourself that show that you're a real person. And Mm. unfortunately, in the church, we haven't been willing to do that. It's, this is church. This is not a place or a time to ask real questions and talk about difficult things. This is where we come, yes, to worship, to fellowship. But the thing is, if we're not answering those tough questions, somebody else is going to. Right. And in today's world, that's YouTube for the most part. I'm going to go Google this Mm -hmm. and I'm going to get some advice because I can't turn to the people who actually matter and who actually care about me. I can't turn to them because if I express doubt, struggle, anxiety, if I express that to them, I'm probably in their minds going to be faced with judgment, criticism. You're not praying enough. Your faith isn't strong enough, which of course we know isn't true. Yeah. Just isn't true. So Gorgeous to God is a blog. It's just gorgeous to God.org. And we talk about real stuff. So we've got several different categories. Our most clicked on category by far is called guy talk, okay. which is of course, yeah, everything of course. about dating, <laughs> relationships, sex. Um, what, what are their guy, what are guys thinking? Um, am I in a healthy relationship? We talk about dating abuse. Okay. Um, that is something that has, we've been very quiet about as a church. Like we think it doesn't happen in our academies. Yeah. I have yet to visit a school, one of our schools, hmm. where by the end of the weekend, I don't have at least one, and I'm saying at least yeah. one woman, young woman that comes up to me and has either been sexual, sexually assaulted or raped. Wow. In our schools. Wow. So we've got to get our heads out of the sand. Right. Because here's the thing, if we don't talk about it, it stays in the dark. Yes, it does. And, and I think that it allows for a culture for predators to thrive. Absolutely it does. They know, well, they're not talking about it and they think it doesn't exist. It's the perfect place for them to to slide in. Yeah. So that's our most viewed topic. But what I am probably most excited about and our our most viewed page is called Confidential Q&A. Okay. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. They fill out a very brief little form. They don't have to put their name. They can use an alias, whatever they want. All right. I'm writing on this confidential (laughs) (laughs) Q&A. You won't be disappointed. Um, Basically, it comes in through a third-party email. So we can't see who they are, where they're from, anything. Cool. Because the other thing that we found is that teenagers want anonymity. Yes. If they're going to ask these tough questions, then they want to be kind of protected. Right. So they fill out this little form, it comes in, and then I've got maybe five Christian women who help me answer those questions as they come in. What are some of the most interesting questions that you've got so far on this? Well, for someone like me, they're all interesting. <laughs> um, but the cool thing is, in part to answer your question, and then I'll answer it in yeah. detail, we post the question and response Good. afterwards because we know that if one girl's asking that, there yeah. are thousands more that are struggling with the same thing. It's true. So I would say the, um, the, the question we get the most is dealing with anxiety. Absolutely. Wow. So um, anxiety is a heavily talked about um, topic in terms of 
there's there's everyday ups and downs, right? We understand that. But the anxiety that kind of plagues us, mm. this is not normal and we don't have to live this way. And as we talk about it, see, as we posted articles on it, on mental health, yeah. and we showed that this was a place where we're not going to criticize your faith or your prayer life or anything else. This is a real thing that happens right. and there's no shame in it. Yeah. Then the questions started coming in. I struggle with this. Yeah. I had a girl write in about a week ago who said, I can't stop crying. I wake up crying. I go to bed crying. Wow. And we're able to give hope and say, number one, you're not alone. Yeah. We understand and we want to help get you help. And there is no shame in what you're going through. Exactly. So mental health, um, I will tell you, I talked about this in in the seminar that I filmed here earlier today. Mm -hmm. Um, Pornography and masturbation used to be thought of as a boy's problem, like a male problem. That is no longer the case. It's like, what, 30%, 33% of women? Yep. And teenage girls make up a huge portion Portion of of that. that. Gotcha. Um, And with the pornography addiction, and Mm -hmm. it it almost always becomes an addiction, inevitably, comes addiction to masturbation. This was something new to me about two years ago that I discovered. And um, I went to actually one of our boarding academies and was open about that we'd gotten this question and what our response to it was. And there were a couple of girls that were actually brave enough. Once we had set the tone and the atmosphere, they were able to talk to me personally about their struggle with that because it is an addiction. And so to talk about what does a healthy sex life look like in the future for you um, with a partner um, and talking through all the addiction aspect of this. And it's so difficult because I'm sure in a lot of people's minds, because, you know, in a Christian atmosphere, you know, sex before marriage is, is not, you know, it's not okay. Yep. So they feel like, well, you know, masturbation or pornography, like this is a safer way to engage my sexuality. I'm not hurting anybody else yep. per se. Uh, this is just something between myself. Like how do you, how do you, how do we address a culture that's increasingly getting married at a later and later age? You know, to be like, I'm not going to have sex until I'm 26 or 27 mm-hmm. after I finish my master's. Is it really realistic? I mean, how do we, how do we navigate that? Um, so two parts to that. I think it is, I think it is realistic and I do think it's possible. Um, but I also think it's not just a matter of, um, expressing sexuality. It's, it's around us so much in everything we watch and and listen to that it's not enough to just say the Bible says that doesn't work anymore. And even your moral arguments aren't going to work anymore. What they understand is logic and real harm to them. So that's, that's how I approach it. Let's talk about this addiction, what's happening in your brain when those neurons are, are firing when you're watching pornography. Um, research has actually shown that about one out of every three images seen in pornography is abusive or violent. Mm. So those neurons are firing, right? Like think of your brain being like really turned on yeah. and then one out of every three three images you're seeing is abusive or violent. Yeah. Can you imagine the detriment? And then not only that, but explaining what happens when there is a partner. Let's say that you, you know, your future hope is to have a partner, a spouse. What does that do to your sex life? Can Mm. you have a normal sex life after that's been introduced? Mm. You can, but it starts with changing things now. Here's the other part. When I hear people that are working with young people say, don't have sex until marriage. Don't have sex until marriage. And they just keep repeating it. And nobody really says why. Right. <sighs> Again, logic, detriment to self. Yeah. This is what we understand. Mm. It can't just be the Bible says, because we're living in an age where the Bible is not their everyday go-to. Yeah. So you either have to be very 
creative and, and intentional about making the Bible very real. And you have to show them the logic of why this doesn't make sense. Mm. Part of that is saying, for instance, mm-hmm. I'm speaking to teen girls, right? Yeah. About sex. I say to them, before I say anything, I say, I'm, th- I'm 31 and I'm divorced. Is it okay for me to start sleeping around? And all of them immediately go, no. Mm. Okay. I said, is it okay for my widowed 65-year-old grandmother to have sex? She's 65. She's been married. She's not going to get married again. Isn't it okay for her to have a companion and have sex? Mm. Immediately they say, no. Mm. But see, nobody's ever painted it that way. It's been this, you're too little to understand thing. Instead of saying, let me show you why this is this is what God wanted. Let mm. me show you how amazing it can be in the way that he created it to be. Mm. So it's not what you're missing out on or what you don't understand. It's just, we want you to experience this. Yeah. Here's part two. 60% have already had sex by the time they graduate high school. Wow. So if you're a youth <laughs> pastor or yeah. youth director and you're like, don't have sex before marriage, don't it's have sex happening. before marriage, you're missing half your audience. Yeah. You're either talking right over them or you're making the half the girls in that room feel ashamed of what they've already done. So I never, ever talk about sex with young women without saying, for those of you, it's not an if, for those of you who are sitting here who are thinking about, I've already gone further than I ever wanted to or ever planned to. I'm still, I'm with the guy right now that I'm still having sex with. It is never, ever too late. You cannot go so far down the road that you can't do a U-turn. You can't turn around, yeah. You can't turn around. Yeah, and to make that option open, to not be like, well, you've gone this far, you know, there's no coming back. I think that's important. And I, I found that, you know, often we don't ever really address kind of the emotional impacts of what sex does. You know, I have have two uh, beautiful teenage nieces and Mm -hmm. it's like trying to navigate this conversation, you know, in school, they might just, I mean, they're not in a Christian school, but like in secular schools, you know, they talk about the anatomy. I I went to public school. So we, we dealt with like how to put on a condom Mm -hmm. and like, here's the anatomy of sex and this is what it is. And, but it wasn't, we never got, you know, no one ever talked to us about like the emotional impact yeah. that it has and kind of the the detriment that it can have to yourself when right. you enter into that prematurely or with or with false expectations. You know, I think there's a saying where it's like what men fake relationships, you know, uh, in order to get sex and women will, you know, engage in sex in order to have a relationship. And so you have two completely different motivations for why you're acting in Absolutely. a certain way. And to really kind of understand that I think is hugely important. And we do talk, you know, it, it may sound cliche, but we do talk about the difference in how men and women's brains work right. and but not in a derogatory way, like, yeah, that's all they think about. That's not true. Right. Um, and the other thing that I tell them is, you know, I think a lot of our young women, I was told this growing up, were you ever told um, boys are just way more immature and they grow up later and yeah. you just have to wait yeah. for them to catch up? Um, do you, That has been yeah. the worst advice ever <laughs> because what that has created yeah. is a mentality that this is how they are. Mm. I guess I'll just settle. That's how boys are and they'll grow up later. No. No, I have met 16, 17, 18 year old young men who are respectful and kind and thoughtful and love Jesus. Yeah. They exist. They exist. Hmm. So I want our young women to know, don't settle for anything less than what you're worth, which is the person God created, you know, for the kind of person God created you to be with. Don't settle for anything. Wow. That's such an empower, that's such an empowering kind of statement, like you said, so that we're not saying, well, getting in a relationship for potential 
you know, to say like, oh, well, later on this person will grow into something. But like to really understand what you have right now is what you get. Yeah. Young women yeah. that we, we, and I think a lot of women, it's not even just young women. Oh, yeah. We've thought at some point, I'll change him. Yeah. I'll rescue him. He, yeah. you know, I'm going to show him what life can be like. We don't change people. Mm. We don't. If they seek change and want change from God, the Holy Spirit, they want to get counseling to work on different things, great. But right. we don't change people. So girls that come to me and say, you know, I really love him, but, you know, he just won't stop drinking. Like he's, you know, I'm, I'm really concerned. Mm. This is a point where you're having that internal struggle for a reason. Right. Like listen to your gut and don't, if, if you're not okay with that lifestyle, it's okay to say, I'm not okay with this. Right, right. And so many people like, okay, so <laughs> I think when I was 17, I had my first kind of sexual encounter. I was mm -hmm. a Christian. Mm -hmm. I was like the only Christian in my family, really trying to navigate that space. And I remember thinking to myself like, okay, I did it. So now that means I have to marry this person. Mm -hmm. And true. And I was in this relationship way longer than I should have been because I thought like, if I want to be right with God, like I've got to now got to hang on to the coattails, you know? Right, right. And I wonder how many people do you think like young women that you're working with, like they have that myth in their mind, like they went this far with this person, like now they have to be committed. Absolutely. So let me give you um, a very kind of sad, extreme example of this. Mm. Um, I'll never forget it. I um, was sitting, I was at one of our boarding academies and I'd given, we'd, we'd finished the weekend and I said, if anybody wants to talk one-on-one, -on -one, you know, you're welcome to do that. So I'd sat with a couple of girls and, and we're talking about things. And um, I said, well, can you, can you go out and bring the next girl? And she said, yeah, this girl walks in, she's got her head down, eyes on the ground. She sits down, still hasn't looked at me. And I reached across and put my hand on her arm and I said, take your time. Hmm. Nobody's rushing you. And by the time she finally looked up, she had tears in her eyes and she said, am I still a virgin if I was raped? Wow. God's grace and God's love and God's understanding and compassion are big enough to cover anything. Yeah. He can restore anything. Yeah. That's what I want them to know, whether it was taken from you, whether you gave it away. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you are, well, this is what I've signed up for. Like I've gone this far, right. I've done this. So now this is my guy. Mm. If that is an unhealthy relationship and one that you know God wouldn't want for you, give it to him, give him the experience the relationship, give it all up to him mm. and ask him to just cover you. And he, he will, he right. does. Right. And you can be a virgin again in Christ. Of course. I mean, I think that that's such a, I mean, we put such a high value maybe like in the church of like, you know, being a virgin, but yeah. like God doesn't actually see that way. Like anybody who's in him, who's given his life, he talks about his church as a virgin bride. Right. And not all of them are actual <laughs> virgins or the fact that we even calls us righteous. Like right. we're not actually we're not righteous. righteous. We yeah. get that imputed to us as a gift. And so to know like how God sees us is how we can comfortably define ourselves. And you know, they see him through us that's what people forget. They mm. experience God through us. Yeah. So as somebody that is working with them, um, spending time with them, I want them to see that I'm a broken vessel that's just being used by him, filled with his love and his grace and his compassion. Because when they see church leaders, youth pastors, youth directors who are not filled with that spirit, yeah. They automatically assume because they're in a position of spiritual authority and power, that's that becomes what they know of God. Yeah. So when we're 
hypocrites, when we're judgmental, when we're condemning, that's how God is to them. Wow. What Some of the women that you've been working with, what do you feel like, what is their current struggle in how they're relating to the church? You know, like, do they feel like the church is a place that they can comfortably abide in? And if not, like, how do you, how would you recommend us making some changes to be able to connect with this upcoming generation who has a lot different struggles than maybe I had. In some ways they're different, you know, they're, di- mm-hmm. they're growing up in a different world. In some ways they're completely the same. That's, you know? that's so true. I tell people that all the time. They're like, I don't understand. I didn't go through this. And I'm like, actually you did. If you're honest and you look back on those years of your life and you really dig into to the, fe- the emotions and the thoughts you were having, there are some things that never change. It's that they've intensified and that instead of being part of kind of a small world where it was just your community, they have the world at their fingertips. The yeah. world is so small because everything's right at their fingertips. So a couple of things I would say um, when people have asked me, you know, some, that's, they've told me something's not working here. Like they're not showing up. They're not coming. I ask a series of questions and one of them is, what are you doing outside of church? Hmm. If church, that structure on Sabbath is the only time you're connecting, you are going to lose every time. Mm -hmm. They're going to stop showing up unless you have made that Sabbath school or youth church time just so empowering and encouraging and safe that they want to be there. That's great. But more often than not, they're putting all this energy into this program, this one day Sabbath program. Mm. They've got the rest of the week where they're struggling and questioning and doubting and nobody's there. Yeah. Nobody's there. What are you doing outside of church? Mm. I think that they want to know the fact that gorgeous to God is working. If you will, we've got 50,000 followers on Facebook in less than two years. We're getting three to 400 unique visitors on our site a month. Mm. So it's right. It's working. It tells me they want to know what we think. They want the Christian response. We, we don't advertise on Gorgeous to God that we're a Seventh-day Adventist um, initiative, actually, yeah. because we want the door to be very open. to be open wide to all Christians, uh, people of all faiths, actually. Um, they actually want to know what we think, but only if it's coming from um, a place of compassion and understanding, but also practical advice. So if they go to, even if it's a female, let's, let's be... Um, flexible and say they go to a female youth pastor and they ask, you know, a difficult question, you have to be prepared to give practical advice. Mm. And we're not always ready to do that. And I'm not saying tell them what to do. That's not our role either. But literally addressing the question, not saying, well, the Bible, if if you read in Ephesians. Yeah. Don't start with that. (laughs) You can't start there. And I'll tell you, it's 80% listening. It's 80% just listening actively, making eye contact, being very engaged and present in that moment so they feel cared about. I have been at these retreats and things where girls sit down with me and I don't have to hardly say a word. Mm. I don't have to hardly say a word. It's not about it's not about giving advice, about being present in the moment, listening, and then asking, would you like me to tell you what I think or something that's worked for me? Yeah. But so many people working with young people just assume and it's like, well, well and they, they jump into this advice giving, sometimes that's not what's needed. Right. So I would say, look at what you're doing outside of church, if anything, and looking at creating a um, an atmosphere of 
open conversation. Mm. And that's probably not going to happen in a church environment. So right. whether you're meeting somewhere on, you know, Friday nights or in the middle of the week, as I've heard works really well, um, things like that. But, but knowing that this is going to be an open, honest conversation. Now, I will also tell you, again, keep it confidential and anonymous. So understanding that whatever is said in that space stays in that space is really important. And number two, as you, as you grow this, you're going to want to give them the opportunity to ask those questions privately. So whether that's on slips of paper or through a text, you know, to a phone, whatever that is, let them do it anonymously or they're not going to ask what they're really, what they're really feeling. Mm -hmm. Especially I feel like there's so much, I mean, even as an adult, you can feel the, the pressure and the expectation in church to have it all together, you know, and we don't really create those vulnerable spaces of like, you know, hi, I'm divorced. Hi, I've struggled with pornography. Hi, uh, I've had really bad relationships. Like, yep. I think that we have, we get, we create an environment where it's like, no, we need to be, it was it a church of saints, not a church of sinners? Sinners, yeah. And so, you know, how do, how would you recommend even just changing the space and the culture of church that would open up uh, and dialogue more or be more conducive to these types of conversations? <laughs> Um, a lot of people are not going to like this, but I'm going to tell people that are not willing to do this, that aren't willing to either keep their mouth shut when they have something negative or critical to say, mm. you need to step out of the way. Mm. You need to step out of the way. All of these people keep talking about our young people leaving. Our young people are leaving. Nobody is asking themselves, what can I do or what have I done yeah. to, to change that or to create that problem? Mm. So take a look at your church and take a look the next time, maybe stand by the door, stand by the entrance next time you go to church. And for people that have been at the same church for a very long time, this is an interesting experiment. You may have forgotten what it feels like to be new or to feel like you're kind of outside, you know, coming in to this new space. You don't really feel comfortable yet. How are people greeted when they enter? Who's welcoming them? Mm. Are they, what's the follow-up process for that. If there are teenagers there, the best thing you can do is talk to them. Yeah. Hey guys, we care enough. We love that you're still here, but we want to make sure that we've created an environment where you're not just here because your parents make you. What could we do better? And if your friends have left, why have they left? Mm. Ask them. Nobody's asking them. Wow. We're assuming a whole lot. We're writing books about why the church is or youth is leaving, but we're not talking to the youth. Not asking them, <laughs> what's hey, what's up? Like, what did we do wrong? Now, of course, we know that over t- there there have been a lot of hurtful, you know, comments made, assumptions made. Um, I give the example of <laughs> a woman who was holding a women's event where teenagers could come and have kind of their own seminars. And a lot of those girls come with their moms because they have to, and they're really not interested in being there. And of course, a lot of them invite community, they invite friends that are not Adventist. Some of them aren't even Christian, which is wonderful. But what are we prepared to do when they show up? Hmm. So this one woman has this event, teenage girl and her mom come down for worship on Sabbath morning, and it's in a hotel. And the girl is wearing jeans, but not just jeans. They're kind of tattered and and torn, you know? A little thigh there. Yeah, 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 yeah. This women's leader thought um, she was doing a great thing by walking up to them <laughs> and saying, honey, uh, we're here to worship the creator of the universe. Oh, no. And what you're wearing is not appropriate for oh, that. No. I'd really appreciate if you'd go back upstairs and, and change. Wow. She told this story in front of several people and was very proud of herself. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and I just, I was saying, Erica, Erica, just, just, I couldn't, I couldn't. I said, you know what? I think that's so heartbreaking hmm. because you have no idea what got that girl through those doors. You have no idea what she's living right now, but I can guarantee you the only thing she'll remember from that experience is that she wasn't dressed well enough right. to come before God. God cried that day. God cried in that moment because he said, how dare you tell my daughter not to come in, in front of me, yeah. however she is. We've lost the essence of what it means to go before the Lord. It doesn't matter how well-dressed I am. I don't think I'll ever qualify for being good enough dressed before the Lord of the universe. Right? Like, why are we putting so much emphasis upon these externals? I think shows us that we've, we've walked away from the heart of who God is if we're so focused on how somebody appears. Um, yeah. So back to that question, yeah. I, I tell people, put your shocked face away. Mm -hmm. You are not helping anyone. Yeah. If you can't hide what you're actually thinking about how she's dressed or her tattoos or her jewelry, then don't be, see I'm not going to tell you not to go to church, but you need to get out of the way and let somebody else do it. And I know what the follow-up question to that will be. And I will just go ahead and say, mm. Showing compassion, understanding, and loving people doesn't mean you're condoning behavior. They are two separate things, and we've lumped them in together and said, yeah, but if I act like I like them and like I care about them and they're dressed that way or I know they're living with their boyfriend, they're going to think I'm okay with that. Really? Yeah. Really? All we were taught to do, all we've been told to do is to show his love and his grace because it's what was given to us. Yeah. That's it. He does the rest. He does the convicting, mm -hmm. not us. So the people that are willing to do this, and it is a big job, who are willing to make the extra effort, ask the tough questions, create safe spaces, do it boldly, and know that you're not alone. There are resources, there are people out there to help you, um, and people that can't put their shocked face away and can't be kind and loving, let somebody else step up. I love that statement, you know, like put your shocked face away. Like I'm so outraged at this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think this is, this is fantastic information. And so I would want you to, you know, give some last words to anybody who is wanting to reach the young women in their church. You know, what is the one thing that young women, I know there's many things, but that you would say, you know, young women are struggling with and that the church can make a concerted effort to really address and, and reach out and make a difference. So if you want a really great place to start, I would say there's there's two pieces to it. One, you never, people think, okay, we'll, we'll do an event. We'll do a program. Don't start an event or a program without talking to them. Hmm. A few weeks ago, um, they asked me to come in. These young women had never been kind of brought together. All we did was serve dinner. All we did was serve dinner. We invited them to free dinner. If you show, if you have free food and no obligation or responsibility, they'll show up. Yeah. Okay. So this is a, just a dinner to have a conversation. We want to hear from you. Um, that kind of thing. It was an amazing conversation. We learned so much. So start there in terms of asking them, what would you like to do? What would you like to see? What do you want to know more about? So start there. But I'll tell you, if I had to guess, one of the places to start is mental health. Mm. So whether you bring it now, please don't have, you know, somebody that thinks they know about mental health in your church, do the speaking, bring in an expert, bring in a doctor, bring in a counselor, a licensed therapist that can specifically speak to them. When you do something just for them, it's amazing to see how they feel special. They mm -hmm. feel loved that you guys did this all for me. Make the room look nice. 
and professional and pretty, um, have something to serve for food, that kind of thing, and then have them a speaker about something that really matters. I would start with mental health. And the second thing I would do is something on dating, relationships, sex, um, Again, can be from a, a therapist or counselor, but I found that people with like real life experiences sharing their story is the most powerful way to, to get that message across. Wow. Thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing your insights uh, into kind of the world that you're navigating and, uh, and the work that you're doing with Gorgeous to God. We just thank you so much for being on the program today. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening in. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode on discipling the next generation of women leaders. Please stay tuned for next week's discussion as we tackle the topic of violence against women and how we and the church can be better equipped to address the needs of victims so that we do not re-traumatize survivors or perpetuate damaging false beliefs that put women in harm's way. And remember, whatever platform you're listening on, be sure to comment, like, and subscribe. See you next week.